We come together once again to remember, to rehearse, to meditate on the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, some 2,000 years ago, was crucified on a cross as a sacrifice for us. It was in his broken body that the bondage of sin and death was broken for us, and it was in his life that forgiveness and life are granted to us. And these are the truths of the gospel that we affirm as Christians. These are the truths that we celebrate every single Sunday until the Lord returns. But tonight on Good Friday, I want to take us back to our Old Testaments. I want to have us understand with greater clarity that grace-filled, sacrificial system which sets the stage for my salvation and which sets the stage for your salvation. I want us to see, I want us to hear, I want us to taste, I want us to smell and touch the weight of the devastation that our sins deserve as they are judged and they are punished by a pure and holy God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus is in those first couple of chapters, or books in the uh, Old Testament. We're going to be in Leviticus chapter 4, looking particularly at verses 32 through 35. Hear now the word of the Lord that offers us sacrifice and forgiveness by somebody else's shed blood. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horn of the altar of burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed, he shall be forgiven. Church, that is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if you've read the book of Leviticus, you know that this is a book that is covered in blood. It is littered with sacrifices and stipulations. It is consumed with death, and it is riddled with ritual cleansing so that people can be forgiven for those that would trust in the promises of God, for those that would cling to that sacrificial system which gives us newness of life that we cannot earn on our own. This sacrificial system that satisfies the anger of God on behalf of a rebellious people. So what I want us to do is I want to demonstrate what this forgiveness looks like from this passage this evening. From Leviticus chapter 4, I want us to walk this hypothetical path of sacrifice. And so if you look with me at verse 32, it tells us that there's a man who comes with a blemish-free lamb to the temple of God. And so this man is not only carrying a lamb, but what he also carries is the guilt and the shame and truly the prosecution against him for his sin. 
He carries this to the temple. And not only that, he's walking as a representative of his family, so he's also functionally carrying the sin of his family with him as he's carrying this lamb. And so what he recognizes is he and his family have broken the Ten Commandments, every single one of them, and they have done it time and time and time again. They have not loved God, nor have they loved their neighbor as themselves. And thankfully, this family, this, this man recognizes that he is rightly, or he recognized his sin against God, and so he rightly goes to the temple. And so now he knows that he has to be punished He knows that he has to be punished both body and soul for what he has done for transgressing against the law of God, for not conforming to what God has told him to do. Yet, get this, Leviticus is riddled with the gospel that in this moment, God by his very grace has made a way for this man and his family to not have to pay for their sin. Nor has he made, he's made a way for us also to not have to pay for our sin. It is this animal that takes the pain and bears the guilt and the shame and the punishment of this family's sin as a substitute in their place. What is going to happen to this lamb should be happening to this family. And so from our passage, we notice this this highly prized lamb that this man has been taking care of and feeding for years. He's bringing it to this altar. And you can almost picture this in your mind as he brings this innocent, spotless, blemish-free lamb to the altar. He has to bind the feet of this animal. And as he's trying to tie the feet of this animal together, it is kicking against what's taking place. This animal does not want to be tied up with this man. Even though the the lamb has these feeble attempts, it is still tied up. And as the animal is tied up, once the feet are bound, the, the man lays the animal down in the place where sacrifice is taken, or a place where animals are killed that have their feet bound on behalf of other families. And as he lays this animal down, he's doing this in front of a priest of God who has been ordained to oversee these things. The man, he lays the animal down and he places his hand on the animal's head. And as he places the hand on the animal's head, in his other hand is a very sharp knife. And he takes the knife and he places the knife at the base of the lamb's neck. And he, with swift, decisive movements, draws the, lamb, or draws the knife across the lamb's throat. And it cuts through the fur, it cuts through the wool, it cuts through the skin, it cuts through the major arteries. And this lamb in this moment is bleeding out in front of this man as a sacrifice for what this man and his family should have been, having, have done to them. And so there he stands. This, this man stands there and by faith in God, this man is trusting and believing that his sin has been transferred to this animal as he places his hand on this animal's head and he takes the life of this animal in his place. With his own eyes, with his own hands, he witnesses the devastation and the destruction that his sin has caused the very punishment that he deserves, he is watching it take place right in 
front of him. And so as this, the blood of this lamb begins to pour out of the neck of this animal and onto its white fur, the man hears the screams and he hears the kicking of this animal and not only of his animal, but there is a cacophony of this sound around them as there are other lambs and other bulls and turtle doves and goats that are undergoing the same sacrifice in that moment because of the nation's sin around them. And then as this is taking place, he hears the lamb quits kicking, the lamb quits bleeding, and he hears the, the priest say, it is finished. The sacrifice is done. This animal has taken, you've taken this animal's life in the place of your life that should be taken instead. And the man and his family, they watch in agony as the priest collects the blood into the basin. And then he begins to remove the animal's skin its entrails, and its fat, and the animal is killed, and it is butchered in front of a watching world. Now, I understand that I have the gruesome, David gets to preach Jesus in about five minutes, but I have the gruesome task of showing you that our sin in the Old Testament, God gave provision for us. He gave us grace to say, instead of you, it will be this. There is a substitute in your place. They see the death and the dismemberment and the wounds inflicted on this lamb as a sign that is pointing toward the death that they deserve and because they have offended the great judge of all creation. And so these saints of the Old Testament, they have the sacrifice take place, but then they sprint to verse 35 in chapter 4. It says, And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. That's what the Old Testament saints relied on. And they did this not just by killing animals made them forgiven. It was faith and trust in God himself that made this sacrificial system. That said, I will take away your sin if you will but trust me and place your sin on this animal in faith. I will forgive you and I will take away all of your badness and I will give you all of my goodness instead. In the Old Covenant, God made a way for forgiveness through this substitutionary sacrifice and destruction of an animal instead of his people. And so the people of Israel and all of those that would come to them to join the ranks and to worship Yahweh, they themselves, year after year, season after season, festival after festival, they would sacrifice hundreds and thousands of animals in the place of themselves because of their sin. And so those Old Testament saints, they anticipate They look forward to this ultimate sacrifice, the one sacrifice that would ultimately remove the sin of the entire world, that satisfactory, perfect, decisive sacrifice that is to come. That is what the Old Testament saints were hoping for and were praying for. And so now, church, I'd ask you to pray with me and then we'll stand and sing after. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that that's how the Old Testament saints were saved, not by keeping of the law that they would earn their righteousness, but Lord, rather, it is through the grace that you've given to us. It is by faith that we are saved, that we run to you. You're the one that saves us, Jesus, and that faith is the instrument by which we cling to your salvation. 
And so I thank you for that Old Testament sacrifice. I thank you that Jesus came and fulfilled that ultimate sacrifice. He was the perfect one on our behalf. Lord, let that ring true in our hearts as your saints for all of our days. We pray in your name. Amen.